Excellent. We praise your excellence. Lord, you are God, and there is none beside you. You are worthy of all praise. You are worthy of glory, power, majesty, honor, and dominion. Praise you, Lord. Father, we thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit that proceeds from the Father and the Son and has come to lead us and to guide us into all truth. Bring all things to our remembrance. Jesus said it was expedient for us that he would go away so that the Comforter can come. For when he is come, he will lead us and he will guide us and he will take the things of Christ and reveal them unto us so that we can know what belongs to us. He will empower and enable us so that we might be able to walk in the way that the Father has prepared for us to walk in. He will so shine his light in our hearts and in our spirits that we will be in that place where we will be able to hear the voice of the shepherd. And the voice of a stranger we will not follow, for there is a work of sanctification that he does within us, separating us onto the will of the Father, separating us onto the voice of the shepherd, separating us by the very word of God, so that even though we are in the world, we are not of the world. And nor are we to be defined by the world, or to be limited by the world. Thank you, Father, for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And we trust that anointing that teaches us all things today to accomplish your will and your purpose in this service, through this message, both here and on the live stream. Thank you, Lord. For meeting with us. We give you praise and glory and honor in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's turn to John chapter 14 and verse 30. John chapter 14 and verse 30. Today we're going to be talking about how to shut the devil out. How to shut the devil out of your life. John 14 verse 30 says, Hereafter, Jesus speaking, red lettering, Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world, that is the devil, the prince of this world cometh and had nothing in me. The Amplified says, he has no claim on me. He has nothing in common with me. There is nothing in me that belongs to him. He has no power over me. How would you like to be able to say, like Jesus, that the enemy has no power over me? He has no claim on me. He has nothing. There is nothing in me that belongs to him. How would you like for us to be able to say that? And that is the truth, and that is the fact of your life. Is it possible? Now, Jesus made that declaration concerning his own life just before we went to the cross. 
in that the devil, there was nothing in him that the devil could work with. And the devil, as a result, had no power over him. Now, did this mean that Jesus didn't have tests and trials and pressures? And He did. And the word, the Bible says, in this world, we're going to have tribulation. Nevertheless, we can still be in a place where the enemy has nothing in our life that he can work with and hence has no power over us. And there is nothing. He can't, but there is nothing in us that he can work with. Now, is it true <laughs> that no matter what the enemy throws at you, like I said, you're going you're gonna to still have issues, you're going to still have challenges, there's still going to be tests. But is it, is it true that regardless of what the enemy throws at you, in all of those things you are more than a conqueror? Is it true that you can do all things through Christ that strengthen you? Whether in abundance, whether in lack, whether no matter what. You know, Paul said that he had all kinds of very rough experiences. But in the midst of all those experiences, he lived in a place where he continually identified with the sacrifice of Christ, always bearing about in his body the dying of the Lord Jesus, and that the life of Christ was made manifest in him. Amen? I believe we can live in that place. I believe we can live in that place in spite of the pressures, in spite of the tests, in spite of the trials, in spite of the persecutions, the misunderstandings, the accusations, or whatever the enemy might bring. And we can live in that place, and according to 1 John 5, 18, in that place where the evil one touches us not. That means he doesn't get a grip of us. Doesn't mean you wouldn't cry. Would you like to live in that place? <laughs> right? Where is that place? That place is, is in Christ, and it is, more specifically, abiding in Christ. And we're going to talk about that. What is required of us to live in that place and to have this as our experience where the evil one has no power over us? I believe the answer to that is crucifixion or begins with crucifixion. And when I'm talking about crucifixion, you know, many times, you know, I use the word crucifixion so often, and, 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 and if you haven't heard what came before, you can just think about Jesus being crucified. But we're not just talking about Jesus being crucified, we're talking about you being crucified. In fact, more accurately, we're talking about the fact that you were crucified with him. And because you were crucified with him, you are crucified with him. And because you died with him, you are dead with him. Amen? And so, it is possible to live in this place. It is possible for the enemy to have no dominion over you. For the enemy to have no power over you, but it's going to require you walking in the reality of the truth that you were and are crucified with Christ. Amen? The truth that you are crucified with Christ. The truth that you were crucified with Christ. Now you will notice I'm saying crucified as a fact, as a truth. I'm not talking about being crucified. And there is, a there is a distinction we need to make. 
If you are dying, you're not dead. If you are being crucified, you're not crucified. But if you look into your spirit, the word of God says that you were crucified with Christ. And it is no longer you that live, but it's Christ that lives in you. That it is the life of Christ that lives in you. And it says, and I believe in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 11, thereabout, that if you be dead with Christ, if you be crucified with Christ, and if that's your reality, you will also have the reality of living with Christ with his life. And that's what it's all about. That's what we're after. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 4. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Read it from verse 17. And I'm going to paraphrase as I go along here and perhaps even and, and grab a trail a little bit, amplify some things. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. This I say therefore, and I testify in the Lord, that you henceforth from here on don't walk. Say walk. Don't walk. Walk not as the other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds. Walk not as the, as the, don't walk the way the other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds. How should you walk? You know, it says uh, back in, like we were saying earlier, where is this place that you can live? Where is this place wherein you can live where the enemy has no dominion, no power over you? And we say this place is in Christ, and it's specifically abiding in Christ. And the key to that is the fact, is the reality that you were crucified with Christ. It says in 1 John 2, 6, that... Um, that if you, if you say you are abiding in him, in Christ, then you ought to walk even as Christ walked. Amen? So however it is we need to walk, it's going to be as Christ walked in order to abide in him. Because it's, a, it's, in, it's in the place of abiding in him that the evil one touches you not. And it is in that place that the enemy has no grip on you. And it is in that place, as you dwell in that place first, as a result of the fact that you were crucified with him, it is in that place that the enemy cometh, but he has nothing in you. Nothing to work with. Amen? Alright, back to verse 17. So, this I say therefore, and I testify the Lord, that from here on, don't walk as the other Gentiles walk, don't walk as those, those that are without God, that do not know God, that don't have that intimate fellowship with Him. Don't walk as they walk in the vanity of their mind, walking and controlled by carnality, but rather walk in the Spirit and by the Spirit according to the truth of your born-again spirit. Having the understanding darkened and being alienated, separated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. Every child of God that is born again, every child of God that is born again has the very life of God in their spirit. Every child of God has the life of Christ. That divine nature in the born again spirit. And in that divine nature, in that life of God that is in them, there is the love of God, the peace of God, the, the Lord is your strength, there is righteousness, there is divine health and wholeness, 
There's all kinds of, there is the wisdom of God all within that life that is in the born again spirit of every believer. However, as a believer, you could still be alienated or separated from that life of God that is in your spirit and not have the benefits of it because of ignorance. Amen? Ignorance, which is also connected to, to being, to, to the blindness of their heart, which is the insensitivity in that realm of their soul and in their mind where they're not renewed. Amen? Who being past feelings have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. In other words, who have given themselves over to the flesh. But you have not so learned Christ. That's not how Christ operates. That's not how he operated. And that's not how the Christ in you operates. Remember, how where is this place? This place is in him. It is abiding in him. But if you're going to abide in him, you got to walk as he walked. How did he walk? This is not what we learned about Christ. He was not walking after the flesh. Verse 21. If so be that we have heard of him, and if we've been taught by him, and as the truth is in Jesus, here is verse 22, that you put off, strip off, concerning the former conversation, the former way of thinking and believing and speaking and acting and the former attitudes of the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. But the Amplified says, strip yourself of your former nature, put off and discard your old unrenewed self. Say self. self. Say it again. Self. Say it again. Self. All right. Strip off that old unrenewed self which, which characterized your previous manner of life and, be, and, and becomes corrupt through lust and desires that spring from delusion. So strip off that self and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be conformed to the mind of Christ. <coughs> Verse 24. And that you put on the new man. Put on the conversation of the new man. Put on the way the new man thinks. The way the new man talks. The way the attitudes of the new man. The way the new man behaves and conducts himself. Be Put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Put on Christ. Walk in oneness with him. Walk in love. Walk, walk according to the spirit. Walk in the newness of life. Walk in the life of Christ. Walk in this resurrected life that you've been raised up to. Walk in obedience. Let this mind of Christ dominate you. And then it goes on to say, verse 25, Wherefore, that being the case, put away lying, speaking, every man truth with his neighbor, and the behaviors connected to that old man. And be angry and sin not, but let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Neither give place to the devil. Remember, we want to shut him out, right? Amen. But look at verse 26. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Now I know we, sometimes this is taught in that, you know, husband and wife, make sure you don't go to sleep and be angry. Or for each one, whenever it's time to go to sleep, make sure you're not still angry. Don't go to sleep angry. And that's good advice. 
That's healthy. That's good for your soul, isn't that right? A merry heart is good medicine. Um, anger and, and, and bitterness and resentment is what to the bones. It's, and I mean, you don't want to be going to sleep with a bunch of stuff that is unhealthy. You want to go to sleep with the word of God in your mind. You know, right? But I believe there's much more to this scripture than that. Be ye angry and sin not. Because there's a command here. Be angry. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine? Is, does be angry sound like a suggestion? Hello? That sounds like a command. Now, who are you supposed to be angry at then? Do you know? <laughs> I was talking about God's anger. But anyway, be angry. Be angry at the devil. You have a violent, vigilant mindset, menacing mindset where the devil is concerned. If you don't, you're going to give him place. You see, the Bible says in First Corinthians, First Peter 5, verse 8, that the devil goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he, must, he may devour. Therefore, we are to be sober, think straight, and be vigilant. Isn't that right? Be vigilant. Have that violent mindset against the enemy. Don't be compromising with him. Later on, we're going to learn that you got to submit to God and resist him in order to give him no place. You've got to have this violent mindset. I was, I was, um, I was remembering this, this story flashed in my mind. There was, a, there was a little kid in the daycare some years ago. Right? Cute little kid. Right? And, um, but she, she had this thing she would do. We used to call it the evil eye. <laughs> right? I mean, and if, you know, you see a cute little baby, she was probably for how old? Two, maybe? Right? You see a cute little baby, you want to come and touch it. Oh, hi, sweetie. Right? But when you go to come to come and say hi, she would give you that evil eye. I mean, she would give, but she had it, it was so beautiful. It shouldn't be beautiful. But anyway, she had this evil eye. And sometimes I used to say to her, I would say, give him the eye. <laughs> and to put on this evil one. So here you are coming to go, hi, sweetie. And maybe when she gave you that evil eye, you step back. <laughs> and I kind of think, <laughs> that, that's a semblance of, of the menacing, violent attitude we ought to have to the devil. <laughs> Give him an evil eye. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> anyway, be angry. Neither, and say not, let not the sun go down on your heart. Don't, don't, in other words, don't, 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 don't let the sun go down on your heart. Don't stop being violent and angry and, 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 and menacing against him. Don't, have, don't go to sleep and decide, I'll wake up tomorrow morning and, and be in love with him. No. Stay angry with him. Give him no place. All right. But you see in that passage there, verse 22, basically he says, strip off the old man. Strip off, discard self. And, it, and Amplified call it the unrenewed self. I'm going to put it this way. Discard and shut self up. Shut self down. How? Crucifixion. Walking in the reality of the fact that you were and are crucified with Christ. And then verse 23 says, don't be, says, have to be, be, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. But verse 24, basically, when it says, put on, put on, put on a new man, it says, put on and walk in this newness now. So between verse 22 and verse 24, what does it say? Strip off self, shut him down. Shut him up and shut him down. 
And in verse 24, put on this new man. Put on that life of Christ. That is Galatians 2.20. You are crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, you live. Yet it's not you, but it's Christ that lives in you. That is 1 Corinthians 2.2, which means what? Paul says, I only determined to know one thing. Christ and him crucified. The focus and the, the focus being Christ, his life, looking onto him, and the reality of him crucified. You were crucified with him. Amen? It is 2 Corinthians 4.10, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Christ might be made manifest. Now, I propose to you that if you can shut self down and shut self up, the devil has nothing to work with. Turn with me to Luke chapter 11. Praise your Lord. It's feeling warm up here. I'm going to take it as the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Luke chapter 11. If you can shut self down and shut self up, The devil has nothing to work with. He cometh, but he has nothing to work with and has no dominion over you. Luke chapter 11, verse 21. When a strong man armed keepeth his, his place, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he shall come along and come upon him and overcome him, he takes away from him all the armor wherein he trusted and divided his spoil. Here's the point. If you can take away the armor in which the devil is trusting, in which is, in other words, you more or less disarm him, you, you, uh, and, you, uh, and you remove the source of his confidence. Here is, a, here is a scheme. The devil looks at you and he looks at me and he looks at, at, at human beings and he looks at, at believers, and especially believers that are born again and filled with the Holy Ghost. And he knows that if he can manipulate self, if he can get to that self and have self and manipulate self through sin and through, through the flesh and through the spirit of offense and through people and through memories from the past and voices from the past and, and all that, if he can manipulate self, he is confident that he can have an enroll into your life and that you will give him place. Amen? But here's the, here's the other thing. If you can shut self down, then you can take away his armor and you can disarm him and you can take away the source of his confidence. Does that make sense? So that tells us what we got to do. We got to shut self down. Say shut self down. Or put it this way, shut self up. Don't her up either way. <laughs> All right? All right. The evil one cometh, but he has nothing in me. James chapter 4. Let's turn that. So let's figure out how we're going to do this. Alright? James chapter 4. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The evil one cometh, but he has nothing in me. Nothing in me that belongs to him. Nothing in me that he can work with. James chapter 4 verse 1. From whence cometh wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lust and that war in your members? 
amplified. What leads to strife and discord and feuds? And how do conflicts and quarrels and fightings originate among you? Do they not arise from your sensual desires that are warring in your bodily members? Where the conflicts come even among individuals? Is it because I'm right and you wrong? I'm always right and you always wrong. <laughs> right? Is it because I'm right in my own eyes or you right in your own eyes and we can't meet anywhere? Is it because is it because there is something? Is it because maybe I, I, I'm touching the area? Is it like, like is it what is it? Is that somehow the other the strife and the conflict and, 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 and these quarrelings and the wars? Is it not because of what? The lusts that war in your members because of what's happening in there. Amen? Galatians chapter 5 verse 17 says something to the extent that if, that if spirit and the flesh, your spirit and the flesh are warring and they're contrary. And I say your spirit, not the Holy Spirit. Because if the Holy Spirit war with your flesh, you have done. <laughs> Amen. Amen. There would be no more you. Right? So that is smallness. <laughs> right? And I'm telling you this quote. Galatians chapter 5 verse 17. For the flesh lusted or wars against the spirit. And the spirit against the flesh. And they're contrary to one to the other. I mean your, 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 your spirit says. Let's go spend time in the word. Flesh says. Let's watch this next TV show. Amen. Your spirit is delighting after the word of, after the, the law of God and the word of God. And your flesh is, 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 is perhaps looking for entertainment. Amen? Or maybe your flesh even wants to feed in another conflict. That's possible too, you know. Anyway, let's, let's not get too, too fleshy. <laughs> strife. And then there is, so there is strife and conflict between individuals. And there's strife and conflict between your spirit and your flesh. And there is strife and conflict even within you. James chapter 3, flip over there. James chapter 3, verse 14. Says that if you have bitter envying and strife, where? In your hearts. Don't glory. Don't lie against the truth. Lie not against the truth. This, and then let me just jump down to verse 16. Where envying and strife is, there's confusion and every evil work. But back to verse 14, when there is bitter envying and strife in your hearts, in your hearts, there's a conflict in your hearts, murmuring. Murmuring is on the inside, by the way. Disputing is on the outside. Hello? <laughs> Anybody ever murmur? Right? Murmuring is different to spreading discord and it's different to disputing. It is on the inside. You know, you're grumbling on the inside. <laughs> there is a war in there. There is a strife in there. There is a, there is a conflict that is happening in there. Where is it coming from? Self. Say self. self. Amen. So we got to shut self down. And then this verse 16 goes on to say, wherever you have strife, whether on the inside or on the outside, and there is confusion, there is every evil work, which means the devil can go to work. Devil, evil, are you with me? There's an open door to the enemy. Well, God says that we are not, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, that we are not to be ignorant 
where the devil is concerned. And because if we are ignorant of his devices, then we give him an advantage. Can you imagine you want to give the devil an advantage? No. Now in Luke chapter 14, so the thing is then, if we can take self away and shut him down, the devil will have nothing to work with. Now, in, 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 um, in, in, in um, Luke chapter 14 and verse 26, it says, Jesus says, if any man come after me and hate not his, um, his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and the word hate means putting them first, not putting them first, anyway. And his own life, he cannot be a disciple. He cannot, he, if he does not put, if he puts his own life ahead of me, if he doesn't hate his own life, he cannot be a disciple. He cannot be one that is disciplined by me. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. In other words, Jesus is saying right there, in order if you want to shut self down and put him in, it, in its right place, it's going to, you're going to have to take up your cross. What is he saying? He is saying... He's speaking that crucifixion is the answer. Which is to say, you got to act as if self doesn't even exist. As if self is dead. Amen? Corpse still there, though, but act as if he's dead. Now, here's the situation. The enemy is trying to use self. In the meantime, the word of God tells us that Jesus spoiled principalities and powers and made it show them openly. The Bible, Jesus says he defeated the devil and he's got the keys of hell and death. Jesus said he's given us authority over the enemy and whatever we bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. He said he's given us the keys of the kingdom. He says, behold, I've given unto you all power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt us. It says in Revelation 12, 11, we've overcome the enemy by what? The blood of the lamb, the sacrifice, and the word of his testimony. And we love not our lives even unto death. That love in your life even unto death has to do with crucifixion. Amen? So we have all this power and all this authority where the devil is concerned. He's underneath our feet. But at the same time, we can make excuses. And by yielding and by allowing him to take advantage of self, we can end up submitting to him and give him place. But the scripture says in James chapter 4, verse 17, sub it, okay, we like it, we generally say, resist the devil and he will flee from you. But the scripture says, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Which is to what? Submit, yield to God first. Yield to God and first, yield to God and the power comes, resist the devil. Now, let me, since I, 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 I'm, I'm mentioning self, say self. Say shut self up. Shut self, up. shut self down. All right. So here is the thing. Let me put it this way. Self has a toolbox. Can I can we use this analogy? And in, inside his toolbox, he has a hammer. He has a chisel. Anybody know what a chisel is? <laughs> he has a um, he has a pliers. He has a screwdriver, and he has these tools. With all those tools, he can't build anything. He, 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 he's helpless. But now here is the toolbox that self actually has. That self has a toolbox and it has sin, 
flesh, offense, the spirit of offense, selfishness. It has um, the past with all its, with its negative voices. That toolbox has um, people. They could be a source of frustration and all kinds of stuff. So he had these things in his toolbox. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say to you that we can shut self up and get him out of the way and paralyze him by taking away his toolbox. Amen? And as we take away his toolbox, so instead, um, instead of, so we, we, we by so doing, by taking away this toolbox and not yielding to sin, not yielding to the flesh, not yielding to, to, to the influences of people, not yielding to the voices of the past, not, not yielding to all of that stuff, then the, the, the devil wouldn't have that advantage. Amen? The spirit of the world, we're going to have to deal with that. Because it's in the world there is a lot of the flesh, lots of the eyes, and the pride of life. Your own reputation, worldliness, materialism. And God wants you to give us richly all things to enjoy. God don't mind you having stuff. He doesn't want stuff to have you. That's why every, every now and then he has to kind of keep you in line by telling you, give it away. Right? Make sure that it doesn't have you. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> you gotta shut self down. So that means we gotta we gotta get rid of his shut down his toolbox. Amen. Sin, flesh, the spirit of offense, selfishness, the past, people, the world. How? How do we do that? The authority of crucifixion. The authority of the fact that we are crucified, we were and we are crucified with Christ. Because if that is the case, there is going to be no, if there is no self in operation, if there is no sin, if there is no self, no sin, no, 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 no touchiness, no, no reacting, no, no, no carnality, no death, etc., etc., no pride. So, and we've dealt with some of them, so let me just quickly mention a few. Sin. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 7, that he that is dead is what? Free from sin. But none of this stuff works unless you believe it, acknowledge it, declare it, speak it, and act like it's so. So I got to declare in my spirit, by the body of Christ, I am dead to sin. And it has no dominion over me. I don't listen to it. It has no voice. And I got to declare I'm crucified to it. If I don't declare it, and I only intellectually, mentally know it, then there is no power released to cause the grace to perform it. Amen. Because it is a faith that it might be by grace. Amen? Amen? So that it could be fulfillment to the promise. Romans 4 verse 16. On the flesh side, Romans, Galatians chapter 5 verse 24 says, They that belong to Christ have crucified. Remember? Not being crucified, crucified. They that belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its affections and lusts. So if you got a sacred problem, you talk to that sacred and you tell that sacred, ah, you are crucified to me. Because I belong to Jesus. And my spirit man, all of this, this sacred thing, 
has been is dead, is crucified. My spirit man has no desire whatsoever. So you begin to think and talk and act that way. Amen? You might be lighting a cigarette and you keep saying it. Until, until one day, enough grace, faith produce, faith opens, you come to that place of faith, and then boom, here comes grace. And all of a sudden, there's no desire, and it's gone and it's taken away. Days go by and you don't even think about it. Amen? Because I tell you something, if you don't think about it, you probably wouldn't, wouldn't buy it. You've got to empty your mind first. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So, uh, so when it comes to the issue of the flesh, crucifixion is the answer. And there is a renewing of the mind that is involved. There is a, I like to say, starving of the flesh. Right? Because whatever you feed will be stronger. He that sowed to the flesh shall have the flesh reap corruption. He that sowed to the spirit shall reap everlasting, shall reap life. Though God is not mocked, don't be deceived. Whoever, wherever you sow, he's going to have some strength. Practice and exercise produces muscles. You just got to make sure it's the right muscle, not flesh muscle. Amen? So there is a starving of the flesh. Colossians 3 verse 5 says, Mortify, deprive of power, deaden the members. Amen? Deprive them of power. Hebrews 5 verse 14 says, You can even come to the place where the senses become so trained to exercise and practice, and practice that they can discern between good and evil. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. That's the very smell. Mm -mm, I'm not going to touch that. And then there's a spirit of offense, which is that, 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 that selfish motivation that wants you to be defensive, that, that wants you to, to, to perhaps even exalt yourself and lower somebody else down, that can make you sensitive to criticism, etc., etc., <coughs> that can make you uh, concerned about your reputation, how you perceive, etc., etc. And Jesus said in, in, that the answer to that, again, is crucifixion. In, in his communication with Peter in Matthew chapter 16, verse 23, etc., and so on and so forth. The Bible says Jesus did not defend himself. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. Why? Because if he were to choose to defend himself, he would have yielded to that spirit of offense, and he would no longer be the lamb of God without spot or blemish. He would have missed it, and he would have been disqualified as being spotless and pure to be able to take the sins offenses, and the iniquities of the world. Amen? Amen? And the Bible says in 1 Peter 2, verse 21, that you got to take Jesus as your example. Walk as he walked. And, be, and, and recognize that you are also called to the suffering of Christ. Meaning, what is the price you have to pay in saying no to the flesh? Amen? There is, I mean, it hurts to say no to the flesh sometimes, doesn't it? Does it not? <laughs> All right? But Philippians 1 verse 9 to 10 says that when you begin to abound and overflow in love so that you can discern what is good and what is evil and you can operate in that discernment and choose the things that are excellent, then you can be in a place where you can, where you can be without offense until the day of Christ and in the meanwhile increasing in the fruits of righteousness, the fruits that come out of living in this oneness with Christ, living in his authority, the authority of sonship with the rights and privileges and the freedom from guilt and condemnation. The fruits that come out of that and it's, it's hooked up with abounding in the love of God which we're not going to really go through today but I'm telling you something, I see some stuff about the love of God, we share some of it on Friday night Lord willing, I, I would love, I, I'm believing God that we're going to do something about it next week. Hallelujah! Come on, say, say, say self. self. 
Shut up. <laughs> you have no authority. Amen. Shut self down. Shut self up. And then there's the issue of the word. Now the Bible says in Galatians chapter 6 verse 14, I will not glory in the, I will not glory um, it says, oh, no, that's not it either. Alright. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14, but God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. He says, I am going to boast in the cross, in the sacrifice of Christ, wherein he died and I died, where he was made alive and I was made alive. I'm going to boast in that by which the world has been crucified to me. In other words, then, where, where my spirit mind is concerned, I'm, he's dead to the world. The world has no voice to him. And the Bible says in 1 John 2, 16, For in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. But here, your spirit man is dead to the world. And, and, and it doesn't hear the word. The word has no influence. It says in Galatians 1, verse 4, that the, one of the reasons Jesus came, that that was a primary reason. He gave himself for our sins. What do you mean gave himself? You was crucified. What for? For our sins. Why? That he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. It is the will of God that you be delivered from the world and the spirit of the world. And when you deliver from the world and the spirit of the world, then your reputation becomes irrelevant. What people think becomes irrelevant. You're not out there to impress anybody. And you're not in a place where you can be manipulated. You're not, you're not materialistic in the sense that you've got to get more stuff and build bigger barns. Amen? Amen? You might, it's okay to build bigger barns just so that you can have much more to give to the kingdom of God. And so that you can have much more to invest in the, in the covenant being established on this earth. It is okay to have bigger barns if it is, and it's coming by the means, not by cheatery and thievery and on unequal balance, but it is coming because God has given you the power to get wealth for the purpose of establishing his covenant in the earth. It's okay to prosper. He's given us all things richly to enjoy. The Bible says, my little, my little children, um, he says, what did he say? And I've given you, to you the kingdom. I've given you the kingdom. Amen? Hallelujah. But the spirit of the world is a different thing. And the Bible says, we are not to be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of the world. Renewing of the mind. Jesus said you're in the world, but you're not of the world. You're in the world, but you are not to be defined by the world. They could try to define you, that's their business. But don't you receive that definition. Don't you receive that, their limitations. You can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. Amen? The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4, He's given us great and precious promises. Why? That by these we might take our part of the divine nature. Take the, make the withdrawals we need from the divine nature that we do have. He's given us great and precious promises that by these great and precious promises we might be partakers of that divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of lust. Say I'm escaped. Say in my spirit, I delight in the law of God. I delight in the word of God. There is no, there is no spirit of the word in me. I'm dead to the world. By the body of Christ.
by the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. But now you see, in all of this, you've got to continually remember, crucifixion will not work just because you have an understanding. It will work because you do it. It will work because you speak it. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18 says, it is the preaching of the cross that is the power of God unto salvation. It doesn't say the cross is the power of God unto salvation, but the preaching of the cross, the proclamation, the declaration of the cross, the believing and the speaking and the mixing it with faith. Amen? Mm -hmm. Jesus proclaimed crucifixion. He says, my meat is to do the Father's will. Isn't that right? Yeah. He says, I didn't come to do my own will. Mm -hmm. He says, I laid down my life for the sheep. Mm -hmm. Does that sound like crucifixion? Mm -hmm. Amen? <laughs> All right? And he said, there's no greater love than this than any man would have mm. that you would lay down your life. Amen. It's a crucifixion. crucifixion. Paul proclaimed the same, same thing. Mm. He says, I don't cut my life dear unto myself so I can finish my course with joy. Mm. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Mm. I bear about in my body the dying of the Lord Jesus continually, always, so that our life of Christ would be made manifest. But you got to proclaim it. you got to speak it. you got to declare how it is in the Spirit. You got to declare you're crucified. You got to declare that you are dead. You got to declare you're free from sin. You got to declare that I'm crucified to the word and the word has no voice in me. Titus 1 verse 3 says, The word of God is made manifested and gets fulfillment through what? <coughs> Preaching. When you speak it, when you proclaim it. It is the acknowledgement of the truth that produces the God kind of life. The end of Titus 1 verse 1. Philemon 6, the faithful work. When you acknowledge every good thing that is in you in Christ. Put it another way, your faith will work and it will produce. When you acknowledge and you own up to every good thing that is in your spirit, your spirit is crucified to the world. Crucified to sin. Crucified to the flesh. Later on, in your spirit, it's dead to the past. All things are passed away. In your spirit, you are, you are dead. And people are too. We're going to get to that. In your spirit, you are dead to the law. By the very body of Christ. And actually by the law itself pronounces you dead. <coughs> That's another story. Amen? Amen? Which means whatever I'm dead to the Lord means it's not about me and my works. Amen? But the world and the spirit of the world and the spirit of offense wants you it to be about your works. I got to do, I got to do, I got to do, and according as I do, I get. No, 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 no. According as he did. Are you with me? Yeah. Hallelujah. It's operating, you got to speak and believe and, 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 and mix faith with the truth that is in your spirit. That's what it means to walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. No, what about the past? Yeah, what about it? Right? All things have passed away. Behold, all things have what? Become new. And now all things are of God. If that is the case and all things have passed away, Philippians 3.13 says, forget those things which are behind and be forward to those things which are before. Press for that mark, but you better forget those things which are behind. Paul says, even the things that were gained to me, I count them all but loss. Amen? You see, this power of crucifixion, this power to say I'm dead to the past comes out of the reality and the revelation of your true identity 
When you recognize who you are, I am a new creation. This is who I am. It is now the life of Christ. That old life, that old man died, crucified, buried, gone. And therefore, that, this life here doesn't have that history. When you recognize that, and you recognize that, Revelation 5 verse 9, that in him, in him, I've been delivered, I've been redeemed out of every town, every kindred. In other words, my spirit man doesn't have culture. My spirit man is not West Indian, or Guyanese, or African, or educated, or not educated, great this or great that. My spirit, this might sound off the wall, but my spirit man is not even male or female. Now, don't you misinterpret that. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Galatians 3.28 says, there's not a bond nor free or male or female. All right, glory to God. Leave it and leave it and moving right along. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7. Let me tell you, Paul lived in this reality. You remember what Paul did? Or saw rather? Remember when he was holding the clothes and having people dragged off to jail and being stoned and all of that? He was responsible for the death and the imprisonment of those, including Stephen. Isn't that right? But listen to what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 2. He said, I'm, uh, we're going to come and I'm going to come see you guys. Receive us. We have wronged no man. We have corrupted no man. We have defrauded no man. Paul says we have wronged no man. What's he talking about? We have a record of what he did. Isn't that right? But uh, I'm telling you, his mind is so renewed that he says, man, all things have passed away. All things have become you. All things are of God. I am no longer Saul. I am no Paul. Amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. So the past, we got to shut it down. But now when, the, when, the, when, the, when the, the Bible says Isaiah 43, don't remember the former things. Amen? Now, let, let, let's go a little bit further. People. Say, say how about people? Alright? <laughs> I like to make this statement. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, if every man is in Christ, a new creation, all things are passed away. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 actually begins in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14. Does that make sense? <laughs> well, I'll try to emphasize. <laughs> all right. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14 says, The love of Christ constrains me, and we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. The love of Christ constrains me, compels me, convinces me, brings me to this conclusion and to this realization that when, that it, that, um, and it causes me to judge accordingly, that if one, that's Jesus, if one died for all, did Jesus die for every human being? Well, if he died for all, it says, then, then, then we're all dead. Now, if all were dead, we know all were crucified with him. Does all include you? All includes me. Therefore, I was crucified. The love of Christ constrained me, and this is our judge. That if one died for all, then we're all dead. So, when I recognize that I'm, Paul said in another place, that how God delivered him from the Gentiles, delivered him from the people to whom God was now sending him. This is in Acts chapter 26, right? Acts chapter 26, verse 17. 
You got to recognize that where people are concerned, you are dead to them. It doesn't mean you don't love them. But it means then, because I'm crucified to them, Jesus is my master. It is his will that I'm, list, that I'm doing. It is his voice that I follow, not the voice of a stranger. Therefore, I am in a situation, and I'm, I, I got to recognize I'm crucified. I'm crucified to Harry. I'm crucified to Jane. I'm crucified to this one. I'm I am crucified to people, which means they don't have that influence. They cannot manipulate me. They cannot intimidate me. My heart desires only towards God. But now again, that's not going to work unless you declare it. That's one aspect. Now there's another aspect to that, right? And there's another aspect to that, which is this. Which is the fact that not only are you crucified, but it says they were all crucified. They were all dead. So it's one thing for me to recognize, okay, fine. I'm crucified to you, and I begin to declare that. And as I declare that, I become more and more free from, 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 from any negative, especially any negative influence that you could have in my life. Amen? And, 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 it could, and, and my reacting rather than responding in love. But that's one aspect. The next aspect is when I can recognize other people as dead. When I can recognize that, 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 um, that mean, grumpy, demanding boss or person, unthankful, whatever they are. When I can see them as crucified and I can see them as dead... Then, and I can see them through the blood, then I can recognize in spite of their behavior and in spite of their mistreatment of me, Jesus was appropriation for their sin. He was a sacrifice on their behalf. It was the same blood that, that was shed for me that was shed for them. And I begin to recognize that God was reconciling the world unto himself, that includes Harry, and was not imputing his sins and trespasses against them. Now, because I'm beginning to see that, and I'm beginning to believe that, here is what I'm going to do. John chapter 20, verse, John chapter 20, verse 23, when Jesus showed up with his disciples, the Bible says he breathed on them, and then in verse 23 he said, Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted. And whosoever sins you are retained, they are retained. So then, when I recognize and I begin to see Grumpy Harry, say Grumpy Harry. You see, Grumpy Harry and the way he behaves and conducts himself and the way he irritates me in the flesh, I particularly want to be, you get, you get what I mean? But now I'm seeing him through the blood. And so now, and because I recognize it, and I begin to I remit his sins in obedience to the word of God. Which means what? I set Harry free. Now I don't have a heart of vengeance. Now I don't have a judgment against him. Instead, I can now move into the word of God and bless him. And I can pray for him. And if I get an opportunity, I can do him good. I am not dishing out or desiring the punishment that I know Harry deserves. <laughs> Amen? And when I'm about so doing, what am I doing? I am being perfect, even as my heavenly father. It's perfect. Colossians chapter 3. I don't mean it, it's just piles of scripture on this. But Colossians chapter 3, read it from verse 12. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy. You need mercy for the one that don't need it. Amen? Isn't that right? Amen. <laughs> Kindness, 
humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any have a quarrel against, against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also, I'm, I'm going to forgive even as Christ forgave me. And above all these, put our love, which is the bond of perfectness. Ephesians 4 verse 2 talk about God about being forgiven even as God has forgiven us. Anyway, we don't have time to, much more time to spend on that. Colossians 3 says, I'm still here. Verse 23 says, and whatever I do in dealing with grumpy Harry, right, with his unthankful self, <laughs> right, or ungrateful, that's a better word. <laughs> whatever I do, I need to do it heartily as unto the Lord and not as unto Harry. Knowing that from the Lord I shall receive the reward of the inheritance. Now is this going to work without me believing and declaring and mixing it with faith? No. But the power of crucifixion opens up this door. Amen? Somebody say amen. Yes. So, so here what you have just done, and as I said you can include the law and the works in there too, you have just removed your true crucifixion. You have shut down sin. You have shut down the flesh. You have shut down offense. You have shut down the word. You have shut down um, Harry. <laughs> you have shut down people. And you have literally, you've shut down the past. And you have literally taken away the toolbox from self. So self got nothing to work with. And if self doesn't have his toolbox, and you shut down self, what happened? The devil is shut down. Isn't that right? The devil is shut down. Let's turn to this scripture and wrap it up here. 1 Corinthians, 1 Peter chapter 5. Amen? First, sorry, what did I say? 1 John, I'm sorry, chapter 5. It says, shut self down. Say that. Shut the devil out. Out of your life. All right. First Epistle of John chapter 5 verse 18 says, We know that whoever is born of God sinneth not. Whoever is born of God is not living in that place of separation from God, but rather he's living in that place of oneness with him. And according to Romans chapter 6 verse 14, sin shall not have any dominion over him. Now here's the thing. If he is not living in, he's living in union with Christ and, in that, and he's abiding in him, Walking as he walked, sin not having any dominion over him, there isn't that separation element happening. If sin is not going to have dominion over him, then the devil can't have dominion over him. Amen? Because what happened? The enemy can no longer rule over him. Now, here is something I'm going to make a jump here for a moment. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, that it is true sin that came what? Death. Amen? Which friends upon all men. Sin, death. Now watch this here. Sickness is actually death in slow motion. Amen? If it is continued, it don't turn out too nice. Sickness is death in slow motion. Now, actually, sometimes we don't always connect up sin and that separation from God with sickness. But God connects it up. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, don't turn to it, but you know that by his stripes you were healed. But it actually says, being dead to sin, that you might live unto righteousness 
by whose stripes you were healed. Jesus said to one person, go and sin no more. That's the worst thing come upon you. Here's the point. You cannot 